Welcome to ABG, Asian Boss Girl, a podcast for the modern-day Asian-American woman. I'm Janet. I'm Helen. And I'm Mel. We are a couple of weeks into 2021, the year following a U.S. election year unlike any other many of us in our lifetime have, and perhaps ever will, experience. And though we are hot off the inauguration last night where Joe Biden and Kamala Harris were formally sworn into office, marking the start of a new presidency, the intensity and aftermath of the social and political landscape from 2020 continues to affect us all. It is challenging enough to personally make sense of all that is happening in today's current events, from viral video and photographic images displaying the violent storming of our nation's capital, to news anchors' voices reporting yet another horrendous tweet from the president, from boarded-up storefronts in empty public spaces, to daily school and playtime sessions limited to living rooms and screens. All of it can feel like too much for any one person to properly process. And how do all of these experiences change if you are also guiding the fragile minds and spirits of children along the way? Like many people, we've been feeling overwhelmed and sometimes numb by all that has happened and continues to happen in our world today. To help us understand, ground, and interpret the current world state from a different perspective than our own, we're going to speak with people we think have one of the hardest jobs when it comes to coping with today's current events. Parents. We each interviewed an Asian American parent, and we'll play those interviews for you now. To kick us off, I had the pleasure of speaking with an ABG listener based in San Diego, Kelly. Um, So Kelly, why don't you tell our listeners, how many kids do you have and how old are they? I have three girls, and they're four, almost three, and one and a half. Um, So, you know, with everything going on, you know, how are you talking to your kids about, you know, recent political and social events? I try to be as communicative and as honest as I can be. Like they'll, they'll catch me read an article or watch the news and they'll hear like some frustration and some surprise or emotion from me. Um, and I'll just tell them that things are, are really bad right now and in some aspects. Um, and I also tell them we're in a pandemic, like there's reasons why we can't do what we want to do. And I think they, they have a good understanding as much as like one to four year olds can have. Yeah. Um, but I also try to tell them the upsides of things that like in light of everything that we can get through this and, and we will, but also to um, balance the fact that they're young children too. And um, we'll sometimes just quickly go back to like KPBS or, um, or watch something, do a, a fun game after. So yeah. it's interesting to balance. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure like, your kids right now, they're developing a lot of understanding of what's going on in the world. So they're like, I think it's your four-year-old learning how to speak and talk now. Yeah. Yeah, she is. Yeah. She, she can say they all, Two thirds of my kids can say coronavirus and that is bad and oh. folks get sick from it. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I guess like, you know, what message or lessons, you know, do you hope they take away from 2020 and, and into 2021? I truly feel like we've been through a lot in this last year mm-hmm. and more um, that the best is yet to come. Like things will get better. Um, we experienced recently the glass ceiling breaking with like a new female multicultural president. Yeah, and it yeah. was like a, a deep moment for me as a girl mom. Like I know I can't be vice president, but maybe one of my kids can. Um, yeah. And my girls can do and accomplish anything they put their minds to. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Did you watch the videos of like, I know they like post, posted on Instagram. Like I think Kamala Harris posted like the video clips of like the different girls watching her, you know, her speech. Yeah. I like, I cried. So I can only imagine like being a mom of three girls, how, what a momentous like occasion that was to see that. Right. Yeah. There's a, 
a lot of efforts in diversity and inclusion lately too. And, um, you know, we came from poor backgrounds and um, definitely um, are like diverse and, and we bring a lot to the table too. Kelly, I don't know your background in terms of like, you know, what you do for a living and your, and your, and your family, but you know, what is the hardest part about being a parent in 2020 and 2021? When restrictions first came into effect, um, definitely had to go into working from home mode for me. Mm-hmm. So I am a working mom. I, I love my kids, but I also love working. So that in, in itself is a balance of having younger kids, but throwing in a pandemic and having to stay home, um, helping my kids with school too, um, and also trying to uh, achieve some semblance of a balance for them. And also like managing a lot of change, keeping up with the news, but not too much, Mm -hmm. managing my anxieties and pushing through a lot of my fears too, of like, what if we catch the coronavirus? What if this happens in our social political environment? I think that's the hardest part, not knowing all of the answers. I feel like it's so much to handle. Like I can't imagine having three children, like three young children and then being a working mom. Like, I guess, how do you find moments for yourself in this situation? Yeah. Thank you for asking, you know, on a personal note, I, um, I like to do so many things. I have, I actually had a really great year last year of doing more for the community than I ever had. Mm-hmm. I was a part of and led over 2,500 like care packages to like the oh, homeless wow. and communities in San Diego. And I also got promoted like my very first promotion ever. So I'm now like a manager at Viasat. I just feel like we, I can do a lot, but also on the flip side, um, what I'm passionate about and what I'm good at doing a lot is also um something I struggle with, like in, in terms of being hypersensitive or anxious um, mm-hmm. or doing a lot too. So I take moments throughout the day to pause a bit, um, journaling and reflecting to start off my day with like intentions really does mm-hmm. help too. And just making sure I'm good throughout the day. Cause typically I would just make sure I'm good once the kids are down at night, but no, like I should take care of me and really cherish each moment of each day, like as it goes. Yeah, no, that's great advice for other parents out there too. I guess my next question is like, you know, as a parent, what is one thought or, an, or interpretation of recent events that you would have reacted differently, you know, before being a parent? So I think the restrictions with COVID, like um, be, if if we were like single and don't have kids, like I probably would try to do more of like family gatherings or like meet with friends and family. Now that we have kids, like we have never been more clean. Like we wash our hands so many times. We're like, like socially distanced from folks. So I think the interpretation of, of that is is different now. Yeah. Um, and just everything we're thinking about the future too, like who our next president will be. And it just matters a lot more um, when we're bringing up future leaders that we hopefully we're, we're leading them to be kind and, and thoughtful um, and respectful of everyone. Yeah, no, that's a great answer and perspective because I think one reason why I wanted to do this episode is like, I mean, obviously Helen, Jen and myself, like we were thinking about having families one day, but then I guess for us, like obviously I'm on social media all the time. And one thing that really caught my attention with everything going on in the political landscape is that right away, instead of like, cause my peers are saying like, oh my God, like what is going on with our, with our government? Like this sucks or like, he's a bad person, but then yeah. I'm seeing my parents or my parents, um, I guess my parent friends or like you know, people I follow, like Lisa Ling saying things like, I can't believe this is happening. What do you expect to tell our children about what's going on? Like, that's the first thought. I think it's because maybe, you know, as a parent, like you're, you're thinking about, like you said, like bringing up the future leaders is like, this is not a good example. Yeah. 
Yeah, I would, you know, I feel so guilty when I look at the news or if I have to sell something so heartbreaking to my kids because they shouldn't be hearing about this stuff. Their, their days as three or four year olds should be just watching TV and having fun with their friends. But I actually do want to tell them like, remember back then when like mom was sad or when things just happened that I couldn't explain to you or I was on my phone, like I was absorbing information. We were surviving this time. They, they will know that they lived through it too. Yeah. As children, it's like, it's heartbreaking, but at the same time, it's like, I can't believe you lived through this time. It's like, wow, you, you, you made it through also. Yeah. Which leads me to my last question for you, Kelly, is, you know, what methods are you using to instill a sense of hope for your, for your children? Yeah. So I hope I could be living proof from trying to like survive this. So hopefully they, they know that good things can come out of a pandemic or the year that we just had. Um, where we pray nightly. Um, I try to be honest with them and remind them that things are okay. And we still do have some fun that some semblance of normalcy too. Um, yeah. So I don't think all is lost. Yeah. We, we try to cling on to it. It's good. Yeah. So you guys pray with the children every night. That's so sweet. Yeah. I think uh, my oldest um, knows how to open and close in prayer too, like dear Heavenly Father and amen. So we just pray for anything in between <laughs> that you yeah. can think of, just throws it in there. <laughs> yeah. It's also good to like, because um, when I think of prayer, I think everyone has their own way of like acts of gratitude and instilling hope. So I think that's a good way to start children yeah. young. It's like, what are you thankful for? Like, what are you thinking about or praying for? So that's really sweet. Yeah. Thank you. So we have with us today, Michael Banog. He goes by Mikey. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Can you share with our listeners where you are currently based and what do you do for work? All right. Well, first of all, thank you guys for having me. Um, I am based out of, I guess, Southern California, Ontario specifically. Um, what do I do for work? Um, I work in healthcare, healthcare IT more specifically. Yeah, Mikey is also married to Kathy, whom we interviewed on episode 32 of our podcast, and she is such an amazing mom and woman, and you're both so lucky to have each other. We love her so much. Um, so you have one girl, a beautiful, lively, empathetic girl, Isla, I-S-L-A. Is she, is she two years old now? She is two. She turned two last October. Aww. And she is the most adorable thing ever. I, I saw Kathy was just like walking her today in the park or something, right? Yeah, she was. And yeah, I have to agree. Being non-biased, I just, I love that little girl so much. And my wife, obviously. Yeah. So I know she is just learning to say a few things and she's just getting a grasp of her surroundings and the world around her. Um, are you sharing with her any recent political and, and social events like who our president-elect is, the events at the U.S. Capitol? Or are you trying to sort of protect her from the outside world at the moment? Well, with her current age, her being so young, I don't think that, you know, she'll kind of grasp the concept of a president or anything like that. But more so what we've been doing, more so relating back to the whole Black Lives Matter stuff, those type of things is being more inclusive with our books and our literature. That way she can kind of see the differences and being kind and setting those type of values as opposed to the political aspect of it. Mm. Yeah, no, that, that, that's a great 
great point. I actually talked to my um, brother-in-law and he has a two-year-old and a three-year-old. And I was like, if I were to put you on the spot right now for this podcast, what would you say? And he was basically like, mm. uh, nothing, they're three. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but I think you bring up a good point. It's like through books and literature, you can start teaching them about diversity and about how people are different. But there's, you know, there's, there's beauty in differences rather than just trying to point out someone for their differences, right? Exactly. So you mentioned that you're also in the sort of the healthcare field. Like, how are you actually talking to Isla about even like COVID and, and safety measures? Um, more so just being safe. And, you know, we, we have a park in our local community and she loves that place, but we don't go. So kind of explaining to her, there's kids running around and of course she wants to join. But just saying that, you know, we don't want people to get sick. Um, you know, those basic foundations of people getting sick and not right now and learning the discipline, you know, it helps kind of helps like say like, the fact that you can't always have everything that you want in a sense, you know, mm-hmm. so and then just giving giving explanation why as opposed to just saying no. Yeah. Um, so just about being sick and being safe and why we have to eat in the car when we go out mm-hmm. as opposed to just sitting at the table or sitting inside the restaurant, those type of things, you know. So she does well for it, you know, with her age, you know, she does well. And um, we're just trying to do what we can at a foundational level. Yeah. Does she does she know what COVID is? Like if you were to say that word around her? No, she doesn't. But she does know that when we're wearing either Kathy or I are wearing our scrubs and we come home that she can't give us a hug right away. Like we have to kind of push her away when we get when Mm. she because she tries to run up to us right away. But we just kind of like push back and she knows like, oh, dirty and that we have to take a shower first. So she learns she knows that part of it, but she doesn't know why she just knows dirty and, you know, sickness and stuff like that. Yeah, man, that's 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 tough to even like think about having a kid during this time. Like you're a new dad, I'm sure none of this is easy, especially with COVID and both of you being in the healthcare profession. And then all of this stuff going on with like politics is is just like wild. Um, I guess for me, like I can't help but think that we are sort of the, a product of our environment that we grow up in. Um, I guess what messages or lessons are you trying to teach Isla and hoping that she takes away from everything that is going on? Um, as she is literally just trying to grasp what is what is a table, what is food, and all of this other stuff. Yeah. Now, with everything going on, what it, what whatever with especially most recently with you know the whole marching to the Capitol type thing that that whole situation, you know more so more than just talking to Isla and teaching her about that specific event, um, it makes really me and Kathy as parents kind of, it made us look at each other like, man, like where, what's most important, you know, the president, you know, to not get into the politics of the, the president and politics and it's such a temporary, it's a temporary thing. Like, yes, it can have lasting effects, but a president's only a president for, you know, eight year term maximum. Mm-hmm. Um, so our thing is just at this age with, with Isla, it's more so it really brings up the importance of home values, you know, more than anything, we influence how she sees the world, right? Me and Kathy, kind of what we do inside our home and the values that we instill inside these walls is kind of what will shape her political outlook, right? Like mm-hmm. she doesn't really know. She's going to know right from wrong from us, not from what the president says, you know? So those things is kind of what this whole event pushed us to think about is, okay, how are we going to raise Isla? Like, yes, yeah. We know the world is a scary place. You know, we know the world is a, it's it's not the best place. It's not the safest place. And we can only shield her from so much. Yeah. But if we equipped her in these early years, in, in these foundational years, if we equipped her with the right values and ethics, our hope is that she'll be okay. You know? Yeah. And of yeah. course, as a, as a generation, even us, we feel that we still 
move forward with a sense of hope and optimism that things are going to be okay, right? Like we hope, we hope, like you would think with all this science and technology and everything going on and people being more mindful that hopefully as a society we'd move to a better place, but that's all we can do is hope. Yeah, for sure. Have you and Kathy had like late night conversations where you're both think talking about what value specifically you want to instill into into Isla? Like I, I talk about this with my like sister and uh, her, my brother-in-law, and um, I mean, both of you are, you know, you come from different families, you might have different values, yeah. and are there certain values that you have to like compromise on and say, okay, these are the ones that we want to raise Isla with? Um, in terms of like mapping out specific defined values, I don't think we've we've structured it like that. However, um, you know, we're bo- we're both we both come from like the Catholic Christian faith, so that that is kind of like our foundation right that's kind of our true guide that's who we look for for moral guidance you know not the president not the political side we look at that so Mm. um you know of course you know when this was all going down and everything that's happened so far we do look at isla and it it does make us emotional looking like man we have to make her see the world the way we want to see it yeah and that way she'll deal with it better you know but um in terms of values, we just want her to be a good person. And we kind of know what those things are, those golden rules, those those things. And um, we've started researching and started kind of taking a proactive approach to how we're going to do that. Mm-hmm. It's, and by coincidence, earlier at the beginning of this year, I, the book I chose to read is, it's this, um, mm. how to, it's called How to Raise Emotionally Healthy Children. And it talks about the five critical needs of kids. And we, those are kind of things. It kind of it's kind of eye opening where it doesn't take much, but if you get the foundations right, you're at a good you have a good start, you know. Yeah, for sure. That's that's great that you're taking these practice steps um, to do that for mm-hmm. for Isla. Uh, what do you think is the hardest part about being a parent this past year? I guess you're just a new parent, so in 2020, 2021, what is the hardest part? The hardest part of being a parent is just really kind of what you alluded to is just outlining how you're going to parent moving forward, mm-hmm. right? How are you going to parent moving forward, knowing that people are more outspoken than ever. Um, it, the, the, the country as a whole, is it's more divisive, you know? Um, so, so now that the challenge is, okay, how are we going to instill these values when the negative aspects of what the world offers is so obvious now, right? It's so obvious you mm. can be walking down the street and you just see something that may impact Isla that you're not, you're not, you're not too sure what might happen. The world's so predictable. So just being on guard, I think being extra safe, you know, and people have high anxiety because of COVID and the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So everything's on edge. So knowing, just trying to control that aspect of it is what's made parenting a little bit more difficult. Yeah. I mean, like, I I feel like I can barely take care of myself and my own emotions with everything Mm -hmm. going on right now. Like how, how do you find moments for yourself with everything going on or are you like constantly on like dad brain <laughs> no no me personally like um by nature i look i even prior to all of this i i i like self-development you know like you know being you know looking at perspective and you know human psychology and motivation and stuff like that so i kind of just go back to my core values and core principles and I try to have those discussions with Kathy. That way we know with everything else going on, if we if we know what we're about, then it's not going to change much. Mm-hmm. I think what happens is with social media, um, it's so in your face that if you just consume it all, 
it becomes toxic, yeah. you know? Yeah. So as a parent, one, you don't have as much time to do that. You're like this, you don't mm-hmm. have time to just consume and consume and consume. Um, so you kind of just push it away and just say, okay, what can I do in my current environment, right? What could I do that mm. will directly impact me now? And that's kind of how you mm-hmm. move forward. That's how I move forward. And I just read books and do things like that. Um, and it helps. It really does help. You yeah. Know? Yeah, things to keep you grounded. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important. Yeah. Um, were there any moments from recent events where before having Isla, maybe you would have reacted one way and now after having her, you react or interpret things a little differently? Well, I think if I if I weren't a parent, I'd be one of those people that are constantly consuming, you know, up to date mm-hmm. on, you know, everything that was going on, especially, you know, over the last couple of weeks or over over the course of the election. Just once I see the event, I get what's happening and I just turn it off now, you know, but before I would probably mm-hmm. be in mm-hmm. it, you know, consume it, see what the latest updates are with everything that's going on, like from hour to hour, you know, checking the, the live stream, breaking news and stuff like that. And then not only that, but be participating in group chats with your friends like hey are you watching this but yeah, yeah, yeah. With, with with isla and as as i've you know i guess gotten older i just kind of just consume the facts take the facts for what it is and um make sure my household is safe but i think that's the biggest difference is that i don't consume it as much hmm. that's actually the the opposite of what you're doing right now is me where i am yeah. literally constantly on my phone and making sure I'm up to date with what is going on and mm-hmm. what are people, you know, the conversations around what is going on and trying to stay on top of it all. And it's pretty exhausting. Yeah, no, I can imagine. I can imagine. Like, it's just, it just consumes you. And then you just try yeah. to talk about it. And then the weirdest thing or the, the, the saddest part about it is that you consume it thinking you can change it. But the damage is done. Mm. Like, the damage is done, right? We're not going to yeah. change it. We know on January 20th, the president's going to change. And some things may get better, some things may get worse. But if you don't carry on with what's in front of you, you know, like you have your life to live, you know, if, if you don't worry about those things immediately, then it's almost like wasted mental space or mental capacity. Mm, yeah, that's very true. Yeah. No, I get like five different emails from like New York Times, Washington Post, uh, all mm-hmm. like the Morning Brew. And literally I will go through and if I am able to delete three of them yeah. and just like let it go, yeah. I feel so good about myself. Exactly. Yeah, because normally I'm like reading through every single one and they're saying the same thing over and over again. I'm like, but they might say it differently, yeah. but I might miss something. Yeah. Or provide a different interpretation, you know, but exactly. yeah, I know, I know you personally, I know you like to like, you know, you read books and stuff like that. So if you actually watch the clock, on the time that you consume like even your instagram feed or something like time goes by a lot faster than you think and you're just like well i just went down this rabbit hole and Mm -hmm. now i'm in a negative vibe you know and that was totally unnecessary so i try to be cognizant of that you know of like okay wait is this even conducive to what i'm trying to get to in my life or what i'm helping so i just cut it out and turn it Mm -hmm. off and keep on moving forward you know Man, yeah, that that is a good. I think I might start trying to implement that into my own life without a kid. So hopefully <laughs> that gives me more time for more reading and things to keep me just grounded and and happier. Um, so thanks for sharing that. What methods are you using to instill a sense of hope um, for Isla? Like I can only imagine how it's like right now. You can't really do much other than try and protect her and give her, you know, make sure she's growing. She's growing up with these core values. Um, but thinking ahead to what she's growing up into, mm-hmm. how do you think as a parent you can give her that sense of hope and that sense of the you know safety within the home? Mm-hmm. 
I think that component of it, it's a two-way street. Not only it's me giving that hope to Isla, it's her giving that hope to, to me and, and Kathy mm-hmm. as well, right? I look at her, I'm like, she sees the world as, a, as an innocent place. She has no idea, you know? She has no idea. Her life is simple. Her life, her life is, I do. <laughs> she, just, she just lives her life, right? She just lives her life and yeah. has no idea what's going on. But here I am stressing about things that don't even really matter necessarily. You know, yeah. I'm not saying there's a lot of people that would say the political stuff and it does matter and it could have last, yeah. lasting effects. But in the moment, all those details don't really matter. Right. So it, for mm-hmm. me and Isla, I talk about it all the time and I'll give I, I, I mention it all the time is the fact that I'm learning so much from her as she's learning from me, you know, and like mm-hmm. like I mentioned the, the book about the five critical needs for raising a emotionally healthy child, I think. Yeah. We're children, you know, I, you know I'm, I'm 33, but I'm still a child, you know, so even that book, they'll help you if you don't have a child. Um, those mm-hmm. things like we can learn from those things. We can learn from the kids. So I think it's a two way street. She sets in what really matters to me. And I just try to keep her as happy as I can by spoiling her. I love that. <laughs> I got like I got like chills listening to this. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mikey, for sharing your experience with us. You're doing an amazing job as oh, a girl dad, <laughs> raising a beautiful child in this oftentimes, you know, very scary world. Um, we'd, I'd love to have you on again for a different podcast yeah, episode some other time. I know. Definitely. We, yeah, for sure. Please uh, give Kathy and Isla a hug for me. Will do. Thank you so much for, for being on. Thank you for having me. It's the beginning of a new year and a time when many of us are focused on ways to improve some of our daily habits and processes. I've been pretty excited to find a more effective and efficient way to manage my hair care with Function of Beauty. They offer customizable formulas and deliver straight to your door. You take a quick but thorough quiz to tell them a little about your hair type, straight, wavy, curly, or coily, and goals you have for your hair, such as length, volume, or oil control. And side note, because your hair may change with the season, you can change your goals before every shipment. You can also choose your color and fragrance. For me, I prefer fragrance and dye-free, so I love that they have this option. Then, Function's team finds a perfect blend of ingredients, bottles your formula, and ships it to you. There are over 54 trillion possible formulations, and Function of Beauty has over real 50,000 five-star reviews. Every ingredient Function of Beauty uses is vegan and cruelty-free, and they never use sulfites or parabens. Never buy off the shelf just to be disappointed ever again. Go to functionofbeauty.com abg to take your quiz and save 20% on your first order. That applies to their full range of customized hair, skin, and body products. Go to functionofbeauty.com abg to let them know you heard about it from our show and get 20% off your order. functionofbeauty.com abg. Hi everyone, Helen here. Isn't it wild that it is almost the end of the first month of 2021? Like what? Where did the time go? And for any of you that are looking to finally start those New Year's resolutions, remember, it's never too late. And to take those steps in igniting that right brain activity, the side of us that are more creative than analytical, I would highly recommend taking a look into Skillshare. For those of you who don't know, Skillshare is an online learning community where so many people, millions, have come together to take the next step in their creative journey. They offer thousands of classes on topics including illustration, design, photography, video, freelancing, and so much more. With so much to explore, real projects to create, and the support of fellow creatives, Skillshare empowers you to accomplish real growth. 
why not check out a class like Make Creativity Your Career, Six Exercises to Create a Successful Side Project, or Creative Breakthrough, Eight Exercises to Power Your Creativity, Confidence, and Career. Perhaps you will find your big break with these classes. Explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash ABG and get a free two-week trial of premium membership. Again, that's Skillshare.com slash ABG to get two weeks of free premium membership. Skillshare.com slash ABG. I don't know about you, but it feels like a lot of my friends are now getting on that baby train. If you have a friend who is also expecting or have little ones still in diapers, I always recommend Pampers Swaddlers. With Pampers Swaddlers, you can also rest assured that this diaper will prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. Swaddlers has dual leak guard barriers at the legs to help protect where leaks happen most. And they have a blowout barrier, which is an innovative back pocket built into the diaper to help prevent those messy leaks up the back. Did you know that on average, babies will use up to 8,000 plus diapers before becoming potty trained? That is a lot. That's why Pampers Diaper Stash is the hottest baby gift for 2024. So give a gift to a loved one that says, we see you and we've got you. Pampers Diaper Stash is an online diaper fund that all parents with little ones will love. You can organize friends and family to contribute to a group gift of an online stockpile that never has to run out. Pampers Diaper Stash is great because it takes the guesswork out of choosing what size and how many diapers to gift. It's so easy to do, and it's the gift that always fits. Thank you, Divya, so much for uh, taking the time and being willing to talk to us uh, for Asian Boss Girl. Um, I think we shared we are doing an episode where we want to just kind of like uh, talk about the current political landscape and speak specifically with parents who are, you know, having to not only process everything for themselves, but also have children, how that experience has been like. Um, so if we could start by just uh, introducing yourself, share with us your name, uh, where you're based, and how many kids you have and what their ages are. So my name is uh, Divya Anand, and I use the pronoun she, her, hers. Uh, I am based in uh, Medford in Massachusetts, around uh, three miles from Boston. I teach at Cambridge College in Boston, courses like Psychology of Race in the School of Undergraduate Studies. I also teach at Merrimack College, early education subjects and diversity and social justice. So that's my background, which again in, has informed my parenting to a large extent. I have a 10-year-old daughter. So you have a one daughter, 10 years old? Yes. Wonderful. Okay. And how are you speaking with your daughter about all the stuff that's happening politically and socially right now? So before I answer that, I have to, uh, you know, just front and center that my hat as a sociologist has played an important role in the way I parent. Uh, and the research that I do has also informed. So a lot of these conversations we have had for a long time. Mm -hmm. So it's not just in the past year that I've had these conversations with her. We have had uh, conversations with her um, even before, like including from daycare, because I am acutely conscious of being an Asian Indian American woman yeah. raising an Indian an American child in the United States. So mm -hmm. I'll give you a tidbit before I enter into the political conversation. So um, when she was in daycare, I would, you know, go in after every holiday with a slideshow of all the photographs of our holiday back in India. So the children around would see men wearing lungi, right? Mm -hmm. People like weddings where, you know, we wear the lungi, a white mm -hmm. lungi is what we, the men wear, women wearing red saris, lots of jewelry, all of those things, you know. So it was really important for me to affirm her identity first. Mm -hmm. 
you know, so that she knows who she is and she's conscious of her brown skin and her brownness in a white world. And then last year, she has gone for protest with me. We have had conversations and I've taken her friends along with me as well. You know, they would draw these small placards, like, which are very innocent, but yet very, you know, to the point. One of the things that I would say is as a parent to re- to have a conversation based on where your child is at where they are at in their understanding because you know for these conversations to happen it cannot happen out of the blue right right one has to have framing conversations are the children ready and how much are they ready for mm-hmm. right so those are the two questions and and always the other thing that i try to implement is to speak the truth not to sugarcoat it um, and also make her constantly aware that, you know, because she's brown, she has, she's in this in between space where she can choose to aspire for whiteness or choose her brownness and also acknowledge that the rights that she has right now is because of the labor and lives and tears of many black Americans, many African Americans, right? So we have these conversations, but it's really hard. And I have to kind of step back because sometimes I feel like I push too much from where I am coming from. And I need to take pauses and think, is she ready? Like, is it me? Or am I, am I allowing her to think for herself? Or Mm -hmm. am I pushing my thoughts onto her? That's an incredible point. I think for, um, especially for, if we have like young parents listening out there, it probably takes some time to really become comfortable or like distinguish what is your perspective versus allowing your child to have their perspective. Um, So it sounds like you've, you've kind of had uh, great conversations with your daughter from an early stage, even before all of these events happened. Um, What would you recommend for our parents who maybe have not? Like, what's a good place to start? I always say that the good place to start is affirming who they are, Mm. you know, because a child has to be sure about who they are, happy with the sum total of the paths, you know, that make them who they are. And I say that from the perspective of an Asian American, Indian American person, because I often see this constant need to efface who we are rather Mm. than taking pride in who we are. Right, right. Right. So I always front and center saying that I have been I have lived in Australia for three and a half years. I've lived in the United States for more than a decade, but I still hold on to my Indian accent. And I am very proud of that because that's who I am. Yeah. You know, unless it changes, uh, you know, organically, I'm not going to intentionally change that. And I try to give her that. And in fact, yesterday, she was having a conversation that I overheard with her classmates about this Indian superstar called Rajini Kant. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, you know, and she's asking them to Google and figure out and then she's sharing Malayalam songs. So my mother tongue is Malayalam, you know, the songs that she likes. I was telling my partner, we are doing something right that she's not, you know, trying to choose to hide Mm. parts of her identity she's out there now that would be the first step that I would tell you know young parents to do the second is like connecting our differences with um, and making it relatable to other Mm. people's differences Um, another example I give and which I actually did with my daughter as well is I sent her Indian food for lunch and then I would send books alongside for her teacher to read about different kinds of books Mm. That's great. Uh, And then they do an activity about different kinds of, you know, food 
eaten around the world, like pita, different kinds of bread, pita mm-hmm. bread, roti, you know, a, a baguette, all these are different kinds. So children get constantly, you know, uh, be are reminded of what differences are like and then mm. move on so it has to be in stages and then mm. move on to what differences mean like what does your skin color mean like you know if you have something on you uh you know if you have like white flour on on your hand does that mean you're you're dirty mm. uh, so what does dirty mean because there is a constant association of brown and black to mm. being dirty you know at multiple levels so right. having these very tangible conversations with children where they can relate yeah. and also connect with their own lives and then saying that differences in skin color does not mean the same experiences and then so it has to be in stages we cannot rush it otherwise mm. we are pushing an agenda on our children we need to help them develop critical thinking skills mm. for themselves right yeah we need to give them the tools to think for themselves so you know some of my research is also around children's literature is about using a book to think about like who's missing who's not talking who's passive you know who has to rescue whom it can be as simple as a book like uh, or even like the story of rudolph the red-nosed reindeer right it's actually a story of bullying oh my gosh yeah you're right there's <laughs> <laughs> Or even the ugly duckling, you know, right, why is the duckling right. ugly? Does the ugly duckling have to change into a swan to be accepted? Kind of having these kind of questions so that they start thinking. So they are not, uh, you know, imbibing whatever that's given to them without critical thinking. So mm. I would say that, yeah, enabling them to have the ability to think for themselves and to think critically for themselves would mm. be the end goal. But you have to build that in stages. That is great advice. So starting with their identity and teaching them uh, critical thinking. That was wonderful. Thank you. An additional question I would have is what message or lesson do you hope that your daughter takes away from all of the recent events in 2020 and 2021? So uh, that's a hard question. Um, Like one of the things that I would think that she takes away is like this work never stops. This is a constant and I'm actually having conversations about with her about what democracy means, what the two party system means, and why we are here at this point and why should this what happened last week should not be surprising. Right. So it's like keeping instilling in her like knowledge of the what's happening, but then also uh, developing this like commitment to it being a long term focus. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I would say that that would go for me as a parent equally as well, mm, because yes, until yes. and unless I am also on this journey of being always critically conscious and also taking action to impact change uh, where it needs to be, not for myself, because that mm. would be very performative, but to do where I can measure or see the change and the change speaks for itself. Um, So that's where the focus should be. And that's what I also personally try to be because we, we have to role model the number of books we read, like unless we role model, our children will not learn as much as we hope they would. Yeah. That's a great, great point. So I guess like uh, along with that statement, um, what, you know, where it's it's about the parents' behavior as well. Um, what do you think is the hardest part about being a parent in 2020 and 2021? Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a loaded question. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where to start because especially with the pandemic, I think, yeah. I, you know, it has been so hard starting like the beginning of 2020 being that, you know, since March, right? And then... Um, for, for personally for me I have had to uh, 
you know, walk my daughter through like the sudden closure of the school. She had no um, opportunity to say goodbye to her friends mm -hmm. or to her teacher and her fourth grade, you know, kind of stopped um, kind of midway and she loved her class. It was equally hard for me because I had a lot of students of mine who were directly affected by what was happening. So holding space for each other, I think, yeah. you know, that was one thing. Uh, then uh, George Floyd happened and, um, we went for protest, she and I, uh, but more importantly, what happened uh, the day of the elections, you know, struck me as more um, impactful for me as a parent, because yeah. the day the election results were uh, out, I think we all collectively heaved a sigh of relief, right? And, uh, and um, so I told her like Biden and Kamala Harris won, and she was really happy. And the next question she asked me is like, so does that mean that, you know, kids won't be in cages anymore? Oh. Oh, wow. So that's been playing on her mind for because we used to go to protest, you know, yeah. uh, even before that. And so I didn't realize how much it was in her mind and yeah. for her to ask that question. And then for me to pause and say that, I don't know if I can say an unequivocal no. Yeah, yeah. Because that policy started before Trump. Right, right. So what does this victory actually mean? So I had to sit back and think because that was a learning moment for me, her mm -hmm. asking that question, you know, when you were like, oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> okay, there's yeah. hope. Um, but she brought me back to reality in a way. Yeah, no, that's, that is a, a great point. And this is kind of one of the, the questions that I was uh, hoping to ask as well is how maybe, you know, being a parent has changed the way you perceive and, um, that you would react to some of the things that are happening now. So it's it's like, you know, before you're maybe thinking about just your perspective, but having your child ask questions like that really pushes you to deepen your own personal involvement. Exactly. I think being a parent, you know, you also have this additional lens and an additional responsibility because you're also leaving this, uh, you know, the, the space that you're in for them, right? right, right. So what, uh, and I like the students that I teach are mostly students of color. So, and including my own, I always think like, what tools can I give them to navigate this world, mm. you know, to make it better for my, for them? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, beyond uh, your daughter's reaction to your, you know, sharing the outcome of the election results with her, um, were there any other kind of uh, moments that stand out to you in the past year where you feel like before having your daughter, you might react one way. And then after having her, you know, it's uh, it's changed perhaps how you would perceive or, or react. Yeah. And this is again, connected to my daughter. And, uh, but you know, in a different way. Uh, so when George Floyd happened and I, we had a conversation about that. And one of her responses was like, uh, did he have a child? Oh. And, I, and I said, yes, he did. Uh, and so, you know, it was really hard for her to process that. And she, you know, sometimes she writes these stories and she wrote something, uh, a, a small story where she, the main character was a black child. Mm. So me being the parent and me being the sociologist, like I was like, you know, I read it and I was like, you know, get it. I was like, no, this is not your story to write. You're not black, you're brown, you know, this is not your story. And I, and I was trying to push that. And, uh, and I have my, my uh, business partner at Close Friends, she's African-American and I had a conversation with her mm -hmm. and she was like, no, let her process. Mm -hmm. That's her way for her to process, like let her write her story. You can have this conversation at, 
you know, a few days from now, a month from now, but mm. she needs to process because this is really heavy stuff for a, mm. a you know, nine-year-old at that time, you know, to process. So I just let that be. And then after a few months, we started talking about representation, but not really connected with George Floyd, but just, I wanted to, but had I not, being a parent I would have been like it's not your story you're not right, you, can't, right. you know rather than thinking like stepping back to think like what is going on here right yeah no that's a that's a very very good point like to be exposed to something like that where as you know the expectation of other adults there's a certain kind of like social norm but when you're dealing with the child and they're developing and you have to kind of give leeway for them to emotionally grasp all that's happening um, that's beautiful. That sounds like you have, your daughter's incredibly empathetic for her to kind of be processing in such a way. <laughs> yeah, I hope, I hope so. That's my hope. <laughs> empathetic and to lead to take action, you know, that's yeah. the most important thing to change things. Yeah. Yeah. So we've spoken a lot about these kind of heavy events that are, you know, that have happened and that are kind of continuing to happen. What is, um, what are some methods that you're using to instill a sense of hope for her? You know, we share stories about other, like children who have made change in the world. Um, I also, you know, talk to her and show her like role models. Like even now, like there is a person called Tane Marie Soundarajan. She ran, she's the director of the Equality Labs. Um, and I, I show, you know, some excerpts of her videos because she talks about uh, casteism and Hindu supremacy mm-hmm. um, back in India and in the United States, uh, because that is a reality for many Indians in the United States, caste uh, discrimination. And I also talked to her about like Malayalis for Black Lives Matter, which are all movements that have strengthened in the past year or so, uh, you know, small denominations about letters to my parents about white supremacy and racism in my mother tongue. So I tell her and I talk to her and I tell her that there is hope. We have had change in the past. It's incremental, but there is change. But at the same time, you know, you can't just sit back and rest just because there has been change. There is a lot more work to be done and we can't be complicit. Again, one of the reasons why her identity, affirming her identity as a brown person is so important for me because she needs to identify that many of the liberties that she and I enjoy in the United States is because of the labor and the activism of African-American you know, mm-hmm. leaders and African-American people. And, and at the same time, recognize that she does not fall into this, you know, conundrum or into this pit of aspiring for whiteness. Right, right. So giving her hope, yeah. but at the same time, you know, kind of finding a balance and also showing her role models from children to, you know, older adults who have done this work in the past and are continuing to push the envelope. Yeah, that's beautiful advice. I think very much so kind of showing them stories of positivity. Um, And I definitely now understand why you were saying that the place to start is to reaffirm one's identity, because understanding your difference will set the stage for for really a lot of conversations. Um, So thank you so much, Divya, for for joining us on this podcast and sharing um, your knowledge and your experiences. I know many of our listeners are going to benefit greatly from this. So thanks again. Thank you so much, Janet. It was wonderful speaking with you. Hey everyone, it's Mel. And one thing I love about working at ABG is ideating the designs for upcoming social media posts. 
Even though I had previous corporate experience working with social media, I never actually had formal training in design. This is when Issue comes in. Issue helps bring my ideas to life without worrying about the nitpicky details. Issue is an all-in-one platform to create and distribute beautiful digital publications from brochures to magazines and more. It's perfect for creators, marketers, designers, educators, publishers, salespeople, or anyone that wants to make eye-catching content. An issue makes it easy. Simply upload your PDFs and files and issue transforms them using your vision and customizable templates to create the content you want. Get started with issue today for free. Or if you sign up for a premium account, you will get 50% off when you go to issue.com slash podcast and use promo code ABG. That's I-S-S-U-U dot com slash podcast and use promo code ABG at checkout for your free account or 50% off your premium account. That's issue.com slash podcast with promo code ABG. Here at Asian Boss Girl, the three of us are proud Asian American individuals. As such, we resonate deeply with issues around racial disparity. And unfortunately, these issues continue to be very present in many of our country's social systems, including our healthcare system. Almost 40% of the U.S. are people of color, but medical research is 80 to 90% white. If we aren't part of these studies, we can't be sure that treatments will work for us or what unique side effects might emerge. Lack of participation leads to serious consequences because critical medical solutions will be made without considering us. That's why it's so important to be active and present in health and medical research. The All of Us Research Program is doing incredible work in this field. They are the largest and most diverse health resource on behalf of groups who have been left out of research in the past. As a participant, you'll share health info which researchers will be able to use for thousands of studies on all kinds of diseases, from cancer to heart disease to Alzheimer's. It's up to you how much and what you want to share. All of the info is secure, and your identifiable info is removed so it's anonymous. You can sign up and do everything safely from the comfort of your own home. Participants can get a $25 gift card, their personalized genetic results, and one of 10,000 Fitbit devices. Participation is power. Join to make a difference at joinallofus.org ABG. Open to U.S. residents only. One thing I struggle with on the daily is the ability to turn off. Whether it's my need of wanting to stay connected because of social media or other reasons, it's hard for me to wind down. This has definitely affected my sleep schedule, and personally for me, I didn't want to take sleeping pills, so I've been using CBD for the past few years, and it's helped me tremendously. But I haven't found a brand that I resonate with until now. I'm currently using Ned. Ned produces the highest quality full-spectrum CBD extracted from organically grown hemp plants. Founders Red and Adrian did not want to cut corners when it came to providing quality CBD. I currently use Ned's Sleep Blend, and it's playing a nice role in my nighttime routine. Before I start my Korean drama, I drop the blend under my tongue, I press play on my show, and within that hour, I can feel the busyness of my mind floating away. At that point, I'm ready for sleep, and I turn off my drama and have a good night's rest. If you want to check out Ned and try their CBD for yourself, we have a special offer for our ABG listeners. Go to www.helloned.com ABG, or enter ABG at checkout for 15% off your first one-time order, or 20% off your first subscription order, plus free shipping. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash ABG to get 15% off your first one-time order, or 20% off your first subscription order, plus free shipping. Thank you, Ned. Thanks for listening in on those conversations. We hope you're able to gain some beneficial perspectives. You know, maybe some tips that you can implement in your own life, whether you're a parent or not. You know, what did you ladies think of your interviews? I really enjoyed my chat with Mikey. I mean, we all know him uh, in a fun hangout with friends type context, but he is someone who is very thoughtful, compassionate, and, and grounded. He is a very good example for all the ABBs and ABDs out there. (laughs) Obviously, he has a very young kid, two years old, so he's not really sharing, you know, political things with Isla, as you've all heard. 
but him and Kathy, you know, using books and toys to share the world with Isla. Um, and I think encouraging kids to see color rather than telling kids we're all the same is so important. And that's something that I took away from our conversation and really, really enjoyed hearing um, so that, you know, we can all sort of celebrate diversity. Um, and I think that's a great way to start sometimes these very difficult conversations with a young kid uh, about race. No, I think listening to Mikey's um, like interview was very, I, I want to say a little emotional for me. I'm hearing it because, you know, like Helen mentioned, you know, we see Mikey and also for me, I love, we all love Isla. Like Isla's this freaking adorable little girl that I am obsessed with, but I don't realize the heart, like I don't realize, the, I don't realize the flip side of, you know, being a parent with Isla. I just see all the cute stuff, like the, her learning verbs and adjectives, but how difficult it must be to communicate BLM movement, all this mm-hmm. stuff to her. I, I just commend Mikey and Kathy for being so intentional with how they address race to Isla. You know, she's a smart girl. You see how she picks up now. And so yeah. felt very moved hearing Mikey talk about that. Yeah, it's interesting also that like I, I have had some personal conversations with Mikey as like an adult, right, about kind of what's happening in society and in politics. So um, and and oftentimes we get perspective, I think, because we're women, right? If we're talking to any of our friends or speaking to mothers. Mm-hmm. So it was really refreshing to get the perspective of a dad mm-hmm. and a young dad too. So that was great. Yeah. I also like how he said that he doesn't consume himself with news as much because he has a kid to take care of at the end of, of the day, you know, and he just needs to make sure that he's keeping his household safe. Um, and then the way that they're sort of raising Isla with just core values um, and ethics so that she can take on the world in, in the future is it's kind of scary to think about as a parent to have to you know you know not only take care of yourself but also your kid but the way that he mm-hmm. said it makes it feel like what matters is what's in the home mm-hmm. and that i think is something that even i want to look forward to because currently i i do feel like i am consumed by all of the news and media around me and sometimes you just have to remind yourself of you know what's important so his his interview really reminded me of that and is something that I can look forward to. Yeah, no, I think hearing Mikey speak, you know, about being a dad was really interesting. Um, for me, I was, I had the pleasure of speaking with Kelly, who is actually an ABG listener and super, super sweet. She has three little girls and she was like, they're like ABG. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so sweet. And all her girls are under the age of five. They're four, three, and one and a half. So she has her hands full with the three. Mm-hmm. And, um, just talking to Kelly, you could tell she's just such a sweet and kind person. Like very, like a her personality just is very sweet, as I could describe it as. And and I think one thing she said to me is she's like, you know, her girls are kind of aware. They're a little young, but they're a little aware of what's going on. Like they know the word coronavirus. And I think what stood out to me during our interview is, you know, you know, we talk about self care as, you know, women who, you know, are either in relationships or haven't had started a family yet, but self-care for a mother is very different. And so as much as she mentions how tough it is for her to process news in front of her kids, you know, I asked her like, how are you feeling? Like, how are you feeling? And so, you know, the fact that she said that she journals to maintain like sanity or like how that's part of her self-care, it kind of brought me down to this reality of like, oh, we're actually more similar than I, than I think we are. Cause I, I do think parents, I see parents in a different light because they have so much responsibility, but it also made me realize that, you know, moms, they need time to themselves as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I definitely, I mean, that's one of the things that, like, I have some pretty close friends who are mothers, right? And I think about how challenging it's been for me just as an individual through all this. But if I had to manage a child, and, and it's not like Kelly has three kids under the age of five, that's insane. Like, how do you make time for yourself to even process it? In, in addition to having to like be that liaison yeah. for your kids, right? It's such a such an admirable um, experience to be going through. 
I think another thing that Kelly said stood out to me is like the fact that she is a queer woman. You know, she is an ABG. She likes she when she was recently recently promoted and works, and now she's also playing teacher and you know also doing her job and she's also involved in the community as well the asian american community in san diego so i'm just like that's a lot of things for her to like juggle now on top of being now like kind of like a stay-at-home mom so i do think that finding that moment of um self-care is really important for her another thing that stood out to me with that conversation is that you know asking her asking how she instills hope in her children one thing she does every day or every night with her family is they pray every night and it just made mm. me think about you know prayer to a lot of to a lot of families, it's a sense of gratitude, a sense of hope. It's, a, it's an action you can do. And her daughter now, she said that the oldest one is old enough to lead prayer. Mm. So I thought that was really sweet. Yeah, no, I love that. I, I, I think it's important to have your kids, whether it's through prayers or affirmations or something where they you're instilling words of hope mm-hmm. to them and they're mm-hmm. sort of vocalizing it so that they can and do believe it as well, you know. Um, I think something that stood out to me also when I was talking to Mikey, asking him that last question about how he instills hope in Isla um, and the future that she's growing into, he said it's a two-way street. As much as he gives her hope, she's giving him hope. And she sees the world with such innocence, and that grounds him to be an even better dad for her. And I thought that was such a beautiful way to sort of see your child, you know? Like, we don't have that. We don't have that little innocent thing walking around our homes to to tell us everything's okay. (laughs) So that, yeah, I thought that was a beautiful way um, of of sharing that detail of what instills hope in him and and vice versa to her. Mm -hmm. Oh, that is really sweet. It's like a symbiotic relationship. I had a lovely time speaking to Divya, who is a um, Indian American uh, sociology professor, and she has a ten-year-old daughter. So I think of of all the parents we spoke to, uh, she was the one with like the eldest child. And also being a sociology professor, someone who was particularly interested in social issues and has raised her daughter with um, with that type of awareness, right? So what I liked about her answer to offering hope was. Um, she was using like similar to how Mikey is using like stories and toys. Mm-hmm. She is using um, actual like um, like books and stories of of like um, of people in history who have been female minority heroes, right? Or like to showcase to her daughter that there is hope. Like, look, there are people who have done amazing things, who have been able to turn things around, who have been able to affect change. So it's being able to offer hope through storytelling and like a little, you know, something that's tangible for the child. But also she said it's very important to balance with, for her daughter, um, like an awareness and an understanding to be socially and politically active. Mm. And I thought that was, that was a really good message. Um, And for her particularly being of like um, Indian cultural background, she was very like specific about how she's incredibly proud of that. And it's been a, it's been integral in how she raised her daughter for her daughter to um, really understand, appreciate and celebrate her identity. Um, All facets of her identity, but particularly parts of her identity that make her different from the mainstream. Mm. And that really hit home for me because we talk about identity a lot on our podcast, right? And it, it made me understand an extra reason why it's so important for, for us to understand our identity and to embed that into our children because when you start to understand your differences and appreciate it, you're much better equipped to recognize mm. differences in others and to be able to appreciate those differences mm. versus be scared mm. by them, right? Um, so I really loved her messaging around that. Uh, the other thing that kind of shook me was that um, when she, she said that, you know, uh, she told her daughter about George Floyd and her daughter's reaction, oh, did, did he have a daughter? And then... You know, when she told her daughter, oh, look, like, uh, you know, Biden and and Kamala have won the presidency. Everything's great or or like everything's progressing in a good direction. Her daughter then is like, oh, our kids not going to be in cages anymore. Mm -hmm. It made me realize that, like, 
Yeah, it's not, I guess me, because her daughter's older, right? Like kids are not just affected by the morale of things that are happening right now, but they are directly interpreting stuff that's happening. And it could, if your child is old enough, they could very, uh, in a very direct way, fear for their own like safety, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And that was, that was like very moving for me. I was like, oh, I haven't, um, because most of my friends who have kids are still fairly young. But overall, I, I just really loved that she she had this dual message of like instill hope and show them the positive examples, but also really like instill a sense of like responsibility in them, right? The future is bright, but it's like you have to take part in keeping yeah. it bright kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, that's a that's a great takeaway, Jay. And honestly, it sounds like a different beast when you're handling a child who's who's very aware of what's going on in the world. But, you know, hearing these conversations, I'm actually quite hopeful for the future despite how tumultuous things have been. Mm-hmm. We got good parents out there. We got good kids out there. I'm really excited for what the future holds. Well, thank you for joining us on today's episode. This was actually our first time doing many separate interviews, so let us know if you like this type of a format. Also, thank you again to Kelly, Divya, and Mikey for sharing their experiences and dropping their knowledge on us. We know that the current social and political landscape is still uncertain and that we all continue to deal with the repercussions of such a trying year. But we hope these interviews and our discussion today can offer some solace, tangible tips, and hope for a much better year ahead. And we have some shout-outs today. From Daniel to Becky, he wants you to know that he's incredibly thankful for your friendship and always being a person he can vent to despite your crazy pandemic schedule as a frontline nurse. He wishes you all the best for 2021 and thanks you for serving the community. From Christina to Ashley, aka Allie, good luck on your last quarters of college. Go Aggies. Remember, you are smart, strong, beautiful inside and out and enough. You got this, boo-boo. Love you, your sister Christina, bro Dennis, pup Clay, and baby Shimi. And another one from Joyce to her best friend Rebecca, whose birthday is January 14th. Happy 23rd birthday, Becca. Thank you for being such an important part of my life, and I hope you are reminded today and every day of how loved you are. Can't imagine my last semester of college without my favorite elliptical trainer, nail artist, psych mentor, and sister. But I hope work life is treating you well. Miss you. And last but definitely not least, Sarah wishes a happy birthday to her longtime friend Scotty, who is tremendously thoughtful, intelligent, and beautiful. As you enter your 20s, I wish you nothing but continued growth and joy, and I hope we get to see each other soon. An upcoming birthday, anniversary, new job, first home, or just want to say hi? If you'd like to send a shout out to a friend who listens to our podcast, head to our IG account, Asian Boss Girl, and look for the form in our link in bio. And we'll read your shout out on air in an upcoming episode. We don't already. Please follow us on Spotify, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review, and share this episode with your friends. You can also support us through monthly donations at anchor.fm slash slash support or get some merch at asianbossgirl.myshopify.com. If you resonated with today's episode, let us know in the comments of our IG post. And if you'd like to put faces to our names, you can find us on YouTube, where we share vlogs, an audience Q&A segment called Dear ABG, and much more. Our handle on both platforms is at Asian Boss Girl. And last but definitely not least, thank you to our super talented editor, Michelle, for working all of her magic on our episodes, including this one. Catch us on the next episode. Bye! Bye.